You're listening to Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A brought to you by Blueprint MCAD. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you for having me on, Dr. Gray. Yeah, you're welcome. What can I help you with? Uh, so first I'll just give a kind of little, uh, background about myself. So, um, like many others, you know, I've struggled with worrying about my GPA and whatnot. Um, so my freshman year, just like four or five days after moving to college, um, my mom and dad's house flooded during Harvey. So, uh, in the following months I was driving back and forth about two and a half hours every other day to help my dad with, with, redoing the house and stuff. Uh, cause he was doing it all on his own. My, all my other siblings, I have three other siblings and they're all younger. So they're all in high school and middle school. And, um, so I was doing that and this completely tanked my GPA and I'm not, I'm not blaming that on my, on, on, uh, you know, driving back and forth. I, I take complete responsibility for that. Um, so then my second semester, I found out that my girlfriend's pregnant so I get a full-time job and, and all that. And then uh, I moved back closer to home. I go to the university at home. And um, ever since we've moved back down here, you know, I've kind of just focused on, on school. So my last 80 hours, I've had a 4.0. And, uh, and I, I'm wondering really, should I talk about the stuff that like the flooding, you know, the, um, getting a full-time job, my wife getting pregnant, well, wife now, it was my girlfriend at the time. Um, and cause I, you know, I don't want it to sound like an excuse because mm. you know, that when, when I look at the whole picture, you know, it's, it's cause of my maturity levels. I wasn't focused. You know, I, I went into college thinking, Oh, you know, it's going to be just like high school, the <laughs> studying wise, you know, and that was a, uh, complete, wrong assumption. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, how, how do I keep my, my last 80 hours of a 4.0 from being overlooked if I don't speak about? Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your GPA with everything? Overall? Yeah. It's going to be a, a uh, 3.41. Okay. So not terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, sir. Awesome. I, I, I don't think there is anything you do. You have a 4.0 over 80 credit hours. That's phenomenal. And your struggles seem like it's mostly first year. Yes, sir. Yeah. And and guess who, guess who struggles first year? Lots of students, no matter what the reason. So can you include something in a personal statement as a quick little like disclaimer, one or two sentences, however you can fit it? Maybe. Maybe. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. I wouldn't make it a full paragraph. I wouldn't focus on it a ton. A lot of schools who care about poor grades uh, or any sort of academic discrepancy, and they're, they're looking for explanations, a lot of schools will ask that in secondary essays. And okay. so you could potentially look at the schools you're applying to and just look and go, do these schools care about academic discrepancies? Are they asking about it in secondary essays? And if they are, great. Maybe the majority of schools are asking about it. I'm not going to focus on it in my personal statement or in my primary application. I'll just talk about it in the secondary essays. So I, I think I don't think you can go wrong either way, but you have the academic track record of 80 credit hours at a 4.0. 
that will squash any concerns and your GPA is still good, right? It's 3.4 is good. I mean, it's not fantastic, but it's not 2.9. Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. And then, um, so uh, another thing, cause I've been told multiple things and, um, so whenever I was making those bad grades, this compared to what I've gone through now, uh, when we moved back down here, mom, we got married, then our house flooded like three months after moving down here. And, uh, my wife got pregnant. We, uh, we lost that baby. And then mm-hmm. we know we have a second one now, but, um, so during this time, we also found out my wife had BRCA one and two and she had to have surgery. And, um, so that, that's another reason why I was asking, should I even talk about that? Because I've, I've maintained those grades through what seems like way worse times than me just having to drive my freshman year. So, okay. So, so just don't. And then, um, again, so you're looking, I'll clarify some conversation here. You're looking for avenues, whether good or bad to inject narrative somewhere. And this is a very common problem that students have with applications because students are constantly trying to inject narrative. I need to tell you, I need to tell you, you have to know this, you have to know this. They don't have to know anything. Okay. Right? The primary application is structured the way it is for whatever reasons, but it is what it is. You need a personal statement Mm -hmm. and you need up to 15 activities with descriptions. Now, assuming potentially you apply to TMDSAS, it sounds like you're a Texas boy, then you will need to have a, uh, and, and this is a good point, you have the optional essay and required essay as part of TMDSAS. Now, I forget off the top of my head what those prompts are, uh, but one of them is uh, the required essay, I believe, is basically like, what are you going to bring to our class, right? Education is important and community, whatever. What are you going to bring to the class? That's kind of their diversity essay built into the primary application. The optional essay is basically, is there anything else you want us to know? And that potentially, for TMDSAS specifically, is the perfect opportunity to talk about all of the obstacles and stuff that you've overcome, things that you've been through, context around bad grades, good grades, etc. Right. But let's ignore TMDSAS for a second, because for you, potentially, that works well. For AMCAS students, people who are applying only to AMCAS or a COMIS because their structures are very similar in terms of just having a personal statement and activities, and then a COMIS has COVID-19 essay built into the primary as well. When you try to force in a narrative, your agenda, I call it, you're kind of skewing off the course, right? It's a, the baseball analogy of you're running outside of the baseline right. and, and you're out, right? It just doesn't work well because the reviewers are expecting something. They're expecting a personal statement. Standard ones, I, I think, are good personal statements are why do you want to be a doctor? Some people write about why they think they're going to be a great doctor or whatever, but they're expecting the standard personal statement. And when you go in with your agenda, with the narrative that you want to push, and they don't read what they want to read, 
then they're turned off. Like, why am I reading this? Why are you giving me this sob story, whatever it is, in your personal statement? That's not what this is for. So be careful with those agendas. That's why schools ask secondary questions in the, their essay prompts for secondary essays, applications. So you, you have schools that will gather the admissions committee and go, what questions do we want to know from each of our potential students? And here are the questions. Again, anything outside of that, anything outside of answering those questions specifically, you're trying to force a narrative, right? Trying to fit a, squ- a square peg through a round hole. Right. You don't need to do it, okay? So just be careful. That's why in my personal statement book, I talk about potential red flags and writing about them, but it shouldn't overpower a personal statement if you want to write about it it should be very brief very short just just a quick little head nod okay yeah that's that's what i'll stick with i guess i'm i've just been so focused on oh they've got to hear this they have to hear this or or they're just gonna think oh you know he's just not a he's not a good student but not now you are a good student you have 80 credits at a 4.0 Right. right, you're too potentially focused on 3.4, 3.4. That's all they're going to see. That's exactly they, what I'm They don't. They see it all. They see that 80 credits at a 4.0, and that will blow their mind. Okay. And then the talking about the TMDSS and all that, all that stuff. So that that brings us to another question I had. So, you know, because I know Texas, they they kind of favor their own students or their their own residents say by um, law yeah they have to uh, accept up so, to uh only 10 percent of out-of-state students so so you know is it worth in your opinion is it is it worth even applying to out-of-state as a texas resident because it, it depends on what you're defining as worth i mean because <laughs> I, I don't i don't i don't know i've been told you know from different advisors and stuff just stay to stay in Texas, stay in Texas, stay in Texas. But I mean, I'm willing to move, you know, wherever and <laughs> thank God, my, my wife is too, or yeah. else this wouldn't work. Yeah. Um, but I, I also don't want to throw away all that money. Yeah. And I think the answer is the same for everyone is you need to apply where you want to apply. Yeah. Building a school list is hard. Too many students are just like click, 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 click. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. You need you need to with your wife together. How old's your child? Uh, we have a three year old, and then we have a three month old. Okay, so they they won't be participating in this conversation. They'll just go wherever they want to go or wherever you take them. So you and your wife need to sit down and have conversations. Where can we see ourselves living for at least four years? Is it Texas? Is it Arkansas? Louisiana? Right? New Mexico? Uh, Oklahoma? Or Pacific Northwest? Or Northeast? Right? Where do you want to be as a family together for at least four years? Right? And remember, it's temporary. Medical school is just four years, and then you can apply to residencies where you want to go. So the question comes down to where do you want to be? Not let me try to gamify this system and go, oh, I'm a Texas resident, therefore I should only apply to Texas schools because it's a waste of money to apply elsewhere. No, it's not a waste of money if you truly want to go to those other schools. Now, can you get into those other schools? There's a lot of factors. Are they public out-of-state schools? Then maybe not, right? Because a lot of public schools, just like Texas schools, 
typically not as strict as Texas schools, yeah. a lot of public schools want their own state residents. So it, that's all it comes down to. Now, yes, there are instances where as a Texas resident, a school may look at you and go, wow, you're a really good applicant, but I see you're from Texas. You're probably going to get into Texas somewhere because you are a good applicant. So we're not going to bother interviewing you. They may like you, but they see that you're a Texas resident. You'll want to stay in Texas because everyone in Texas wants to stay in Texas, whatever, right? Um, so that is a thing. It's called yield protection. Okay. But should that dictate the game that you play? No. You should be aware of it and understand that it may hinder your chances of getting into out-of-state schools, but it shouldn't dictate what you do. Okay. Okay. Okay, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot more sense. And, I mean, because I know I, we do plan to, you know, apply everywhere in Texas because we live about 30 minutes away from UTMB. So we're just right down the road from that, right down the road from Houston. And then uh, we have family up. We have, we've, we've got family everywhere in Texas. So, yeah. you know, we'll be applying everywhere. Okay. But, yes, yeah, sir, those were, those were my, my pretty much my questions right there. Awesome. Well, good luck to you. And thank you so much. As you prepare for the MCAT, Blueprint MCAT, go get a free account if you haven't already. Use their study planner tool, their flashcards, all of that good stuff to help you along the journey. What are you, yes, sir. What are you shooting for MCAT wise? Do you know? Um, so I've I've been in the I've been in a prep class with uh, TPR, and um, so far I've only taken two exams. I made a four ninety seven on my or four ninety six on my first um uh practice mcat and then two weeks later or three weeks later i made a uh 501 great so and i haven't taken another one since and it's been about i don't know two or three months but i take it may 19th i've just been trying to save them and which is i've heard not to do but don't that's save do don't it, say you know? yeah you, you should be taking tests once a week from here on out so um if you have the those exams great uh go get a free blueprint one but yes, without a doubt, if you're taking it May 19th, we're recording this on, on April 1st, April Fool's, like you should be using those five double AMC exams. And so you're pretty close to starting those double uh, AMC exams. So questions, Tomorrow, yeah. questions, questions, questions is how you improve on the MCAT. Yes, sir. Okay. So focus on that. Stop, stop reading books and start taking full lengths and doing yeah. QBank stuff. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Good Thanks luck. For me on. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me here on Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Did you know that we record these live on Facebook at 3 p.m. Eastern on most weekdays? Search for Medical School HQ on Facebook and like the page to be notified. Don't forget to check out our amazing Facebook group, The Hangout, at medicalschoolhq.net slash group. 